My name's Rob, and I'm the host of Real Friends, a podcast dedicated to sharing the real stories of real friends with a belief that each one of us wants to be fully known and fully loved. This month, we chat with both a friend and running buddy of mine, John Kurtz. Many people recognize John as the high-energy, high-octane person who kicks off early morning runs during the spring and fall for Big River Training Team. But John's also a devoted husband, dad, and coach of high school runners. If you're interested in more of John's story, including his dream to one day potentially make it as a successful wide receiver, listen to this month's episode and discover for yourself. Thank you for listening. This is Real Friends. So I'm here on a beautiful Saturday morning with John Kurtz here in Tahoe Park. Uh, John, thank you very much for showing up this Thank morning. you for asking, Robert. Um, so the way I'd like to go ahead and start things out is let's go ahead and kind of have you give a 60-second uh, uh, synopsis in terms of who John Kurtz is. Uh, tell us your name, age, um, uh, your family status, and then what you do for a living. Okay, so I'm John Kurtz. I'm 55 years old. I am married to a great woman and I have a 13 year old daughter uh, who is the light of my life. Um, I work structural steel so I, I do a little bit of welding and making little objects that go into steel buildings. Cool. Okay. So the way I like to do this is uh, when I'm um, chatting or uh, talking with individual people is I like to kick things off first with an icebreaker. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with a book called The Five Love Languages, but as an introduction to who you are and how you both express and receive love, I like to go ahead and go over these five love languages. And they are physical affection, um, words of affirmation, quality time, uh, acts of service, and gifts. Um, so if you're ready, we'll just go ahead and jump into each one of these love languages and see how they resonate with you. So first of all, Physical affection, how important is that to you? And what does physical affection look like these days? It could be a handshake, a high five, a hug, a kiss, physical affection. So with that is, I, I am definitely, it's high rated, it's rated high on me. I, when I'm around my friends, when I see my friends, I give, you know, there's the bro hug where you grab the hand and you, 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 you know, smack them on the back, get you know, close, that's that. Don't get too close, right? right. And, then, and then, uh, then with my female friends, I saw a hug, you know, and it's, I, I have really, really good friends that I, you know, and with my wife, of course, it's hi, honey, and hug, and a kiss, you know, yep. you know and so, yeah, I, yeah. I'm a big uh, physical type person. Um, so who's the most affectionate person that you know? Most affectionate Could person be like I know. A wife, a grandparent, a kid. I would have so. Okay, so both my parents have recently passed okay. uh, within the past year. My mom died last year. My dad has just recently died this past month. And I would say it was my mom. Huh. My mom was just. She always would greet you with a hug and a kiss on the cheek. And yeah. when I'd leave, she'd always want to give me a hug. You know, it's, yeah, it was my mom. Yeah. Yeah. That's sweet. That's good. Um, okay, so the second love language is quality time. What does quality time look like to you and how important is it? Do you gravitate towards, let's say, a quality time that's active or something that's passive? So say, for example, active like running, being out with your friends running, chatting. Would you view that as quality of time or do you prefer something like dinner and conversation? 
it's kind of an even a 50 50 mm-hmm. because yeah. when it's with my friends it's definitely the running um i get out on a sunday whether it's a horrible day in the winter or a beautiful day like it is today i like being out with my friends and just spending time talking and saying what happened during the it's almost like a uh, a, a session of you know how did everything go this week for you? And finding out if they had a rough week, you know, everybody has rough days, everybody has rough weeks. But you know, with that run, you just let it all out. You're able to just talk things out and you know, at the end of the run, you're too exhausted to really be upset at anything. So, you know, yeah. Uh, and with the dinners, it's a quiet time with my family. Uh, we are still not really going out to restaurants a lot. I mean, my wife and I both work really hard, so when we're when we get home, it's we'll, we'll either my wife will cook dinners most of the times. I have Taco Tuesday; that's my night. Uh, but then we'll we'll order out, and what we'll do is I'll run out and grab it and bring it home, and we'll set it down. We'll throw the stuff on the plates, and we'll have dinner with the, the three of us. Good. Okay, so the third love language is words of affirmation, encouragement, or love. So how important is it to be affirmed, encouraged, or acknowledged, not only for what you do, but more importantly, for who you are? And how important is it to hear those words, I love you? So I guess so. growing up, um, and even up to the time he died, my dad, Mm -hmm. he never really said I love you. Mm -hmm. So I kind of, you know, my mom did. My mom was... Big love, I love you. So the words aren't really the words aren't really that much yeah. big important. Yeah. Um, it is important to get an attaboy at work or an attaboy with uh, other things that I do. It's nice to get that. Yeah. But you know the words to me it's it's not all high on my list. Yeah. And just because of how I was raised. Right. Right. So if your dad's love language, let's say, wasn't like verbal. Um, what do you think your dad's love language was? How did he express so that? So my that? my dad was more you know handshake. Yeah. Or he, what he would do is he would tell other members of the family how proud he was of you. He wouldn't tell you, but he would tell the other family members how yeah. proud he was. Yeah. So and that and that's something that came out recently that okay he was saying really great things about each of us. To the other yeah. other kids of the family, so right. He'd brag know, about you he would brag yeah. about us, yeah. but not to us in our face. Yeah, um, and so I'm guessing probably your dad, and my dad, probably grew up in the same generation. I think my dad's love language was um, he was a hard worker, ran his own business, and considered that would fall under this category of acts of service. He felt like he was showing his family that he loved it. Uh, basically going to work, working hard, putting food on the table, paying the bills, clothes on our back. Yep, um, I think that's exactly that was kind what it is. Yep. Yeah, because my dad was 94. Yeah. So, okay. I mean, he, yeah, he, and he owned his own business. Yeah. So it was, you know, this is what I'm doing. To, I'm providing for my family, and that's how yeah. I show my love. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, but in terms of like affirming and encouraging, who do you think is the most encouraging or affirming person that you know? Wow. Who does a great job of like noticing something and then legitimately, honestly coming out and say, hey, you know what, you're great at such and such. And especially, we're gonna jump into this a little bit later in the, the interview, but especially in our running community, when you see all the different pace leaders and the different coaches, where affirmation, I think, is like a key part of what they do in terms of 
building up there, the people that they're training and grooming? Yeah, I would say, so there's a couple of people. So in with within the Big River community, it would be Matt Briggle. Because whenever I post something of, of race, he's like the first one that says, man, you did fantastic, brother. I love you. You're doing great. The Outside of that, yeah. it would be Mark Spiewak. Yeah. Right. Mark Spiewak, well, one, he's my he's my coach, so I get him with him at least two or three times, a set, two or three sessions a year. Yeah. And he will either text me, tell me, I love you, brother, you, you mean a lot to me, uh, you did a great race, but yeah. it's it's more, he's always connecting yeah. with, and I, and I know it's just not with me. Yeah. He's got a lot of people that he's doing this to also, and that just is just amazing yeah. to me. Yeah. That's definitely a gift on his part. Yes, it is. Um, so the fourth love language is acts of service. How important are acts of service to you these days? And what do you think that looks like? How could somebody serve you well in your different role? It's either a dad, a husband, an employee, someone who helps out at Big River. Acts of service. Um, let's see. I, when you say acts of service, I look at it as me performing the acts of yeah. service. Because for almost my entire adult life I have volunteered my my time to other mm. people um, whether it was right and we'll get back get to this eventually but I taught martial arts for 20 years it wasn't for money yeah I volunteered to teach martial arts uh, and then I, I burned out and got when I got into running and it was like a year into running and all of a sudden it was like oh I can give my time to Big River and the Big River running community in doing this. So it's not that people uh, to me, giving it to me, it's like I yeah. am giving it to other people. Okay. And, I, and it's extremely important to me yeah. that I do this. Well, a lot of times I think it's it's common for people to both express and receive love in the same ways. It's, that's not always the case. So for example, it could be serving others, it may just be a natural way that you show people that you appreciate them, that you love them, that you're thankful for mm -hmm. them. But it's not necessarily something that you look I, I don't really resonate. Yeah, it doesn't really to, get coming to me. I really don't look at it. Even though it, I could be having it done to me, I just don't recognize it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Okay, the, uh, the last love language here is gifts. How important are gifts to you? Are you a gift card type of person? Or do you like to take time and research and personalize your gift? And what's the best gift that you've either given or received over the past, say, five to 10 years? Um, okay, so I don't really, I, I'm more of a, I'll go to the store and buy a, buy a card for somebody. Mm -hmm. um, and so like for weddings or something, I'll, I'll throw in cash. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a cash guy. <laughs> you know, I, I figured the person can use that anywhere, anywhere they, they yeah, are going. Too. You know, yeah, that's, that's, it's just something that I've right. always done. You know, now I have done uh, where I knew some friends of mine were going to Las Vegas. So my cash was I got it, gave them a hundred bucks in quarters, yeah. so they could play it at the slot machines. It was just like it was. It was a funny little gift, but it was still the same amount of money they were just going to use it in the casino. Yeah. Um, the bet, one of the best gifts that I thought I ever came up with, I did research, was when my wife and I were celebrating an anniversary, and it was paper. And I think I believe that was the first, okay. the first anniversary is paper. And I researched and I found online there was roses that were made out of paper. Yeah. Yeah. And thankfully, my wife still has them. <laughs> so Cute. we yeah. still, you know, but that was like one of those things where I got three roses that yeah. signified my wife, my daughter, and me. Yeah. And I just thought it was, yeah. it was something I actually researched. I 
I don't really research a lot, <laughs> but that was something that I was really kind of proud of that I did. Yeah, good for you. Um, okay, so those are the five love languages. Um, now, in terms of your wife and your daughter, what do you think are their top one or two love languages? I think affirmation on both parts. Okay. Um, my, my wife isn't really, she doesn't wear jewelry. She doesn't wear makeup. My, my daughter's starting to because she's 13, mm -hmm. but it's not, it's not big importance for her. Yeah. Uh, I get like comfortable clothes, you know, like mm -hmm. pajamas, really soft, you know, Vuari uh, joggers for my wife. She loves those type of things. Um, I think it's more of affirmation for, for yeah, both of sure. them. Um, it's, they want to know that everything is, my, my daughter's really, especially with my daughter, it's, are you, are you happy with me? Are yeah. you, you yeah. know, and are you mad at me? Yeah. I mean, recently it's because she, she's been doing a run club and she just, her friends are not, are falling apart. They're not doing it. So she didn't want to do it. And she was really worried that I would be mad at her. And I had affirmed to her, no, I'm not. It, look, you're 13. You get to make these decisions. Yeah. I'm not going to be mad at you for making a decision that I would rather you run. Yes, sure. I would, but I'm not going to say that because I think it's her decision whether she wants to do this or not. And heck, I didn't start running until I was in my 40s, so you know, yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna blame, get right. upset at her for not wanting to do it at 13. So. Well, the uh, the daddy daughter relationship is extremely important. Yes, so. it is. And if you know her love language is affirmation, that's good that you speak well. Okay, so I'd like to go ahead and pivot now, and uh, let's talk about running. Let's start at the beginning. Okay. How'd you get into running? And do you have any particular type of athletic story that you'd like to share that kind of sets the table for your running experience? Okay. So I'll do a quick run through of my athletic career. Now yeah. I say that in quotes, right? Okay. Um, so sixth grade, I joined a, a track team at my uh, Catholic grade school, St. Dominic Savio, and it was a couple of parents that were volunteers that really knew nothing about track and mm -hmm. field. So, and the reason I say that is because they did have me run the mile, but when I wanted to get faster, they really didn't have what they could give me to run faster. It's just go run. But they also had me do the long jump and the high jump. Hmm. Now, wow, at a Catholic grade school, you're doing that type of stuff. And it was, but this wow. was back in the '70s. Okay. So yes, we were, and it was just not. It was I was going <laughs> under the bar, Robert. It was not. It was not. I was sliding across the mat. Okay. It was not a pretty sight. When and the long jump, I was not a. I have no hops, Robert. Wow. So, skipping forward to I'm. 14 years old, getting ready to go into high school. And my brother-in-law and sister, who were both marathoners back then, oh, wow. uh, both said, John, that. you would be a perfect match to run cross country. Now, as a 14-year-old, I listened very carefully and intently mm -hmm. and laughed and said, no, I am going to be the premier wide receiver for Vianney uh -huh. Golden Griffins. Now, Robert, as you know, and I will uh, give this out to people who do not know me, I am currently five foot four, 125 pounds. When I was going into high school, I was four foot 11, 89 pounds. Oh my gosh. There is no realm of fantasy world no. that I would ever, even at this time, be a premier wide receiver for a middle school. No. So I, it was a bad mistake. And my football career ended when I got cut. At, you know, oh. you know, but it was fine. Yeah. Uh, so moving forward, I, I did a little. I was on the wrestling team when I was a freshman, but I 
didn't wrestle because there were other guys that were really mm -hmm. better. So I had no uh, high school career in uh, sports. Got into college and I did all the intramurals. I, I could. We had, uh, for my fraternity, I did everything from wrestling, which I actually won my weight class in my senior year, uh, springboard diving, mm. and I took second only because I was going against a guy who was a gymnast, so he was doing everything oh in a, a harder yeah. position than I was, so he outpointed me. Um, and but that was that was couch. Yeah. I played basketball and, and soccer and all that, but I wasn't really great at any of the sports. I mean, I I do have what I would consider natural athletic ability. It just wasn't I wasn't top. Yeah. Because again, I'm five foot four and 125 pounds. So moving past that, I got out of college and I immediately put on 10 pounds of eating mom's fantastic food. And realized this is not going to go well if I continue doing this and not get into something. So I got into martial arts. And for 20 years, I did martial arts. And at the end of the 20 years, I was starting to burn out, but I was like, well, I'm going to, I was kickboxing a little bit, and, but I wasn't getting great fights because at 120 pounds, I was fighting 15 year olds. Mm. So I decided I'm going to get into a gym, put on some weight, and get up to 135 where I can get better fights, right? Yeah. So I went to a gym, they put me on a seven uh, meal a day. So, so wow. I was eating seven meals a day and lifting weights, doing martial arts. And after about three to four months, I had ballooned up to 130 pounds. So I put five pounds on in three months, wow. eating seven meals a day. Uh, Some people went, <laughs> would be envious of that. <laughs> right, right. So then the hand of fate comes in, and this was in 2010, in the form of my sister-in-law, who was putting on a small 5K, uh, St. Peter's Parish in Kirkwood. It's called the St. Peter's Dash, and it's still going on today. Yeah. Uh, but she said, because my dad gave money to help support it, that she couldn't have me run, I would run for free. Now, one of my favorite quotes that I got from my older brother was, if it's free, it's for me. Yeah. But I realized that if I'm going to sign up, I better start to run because I hadn't run ever. Good point. So I went over to Francis Park, ran one loop around Francis Park, and thought I was going to die. I was like, this is the worst thing that I've ever decided yeah. to do because I was completely out of shape. I thought I was totally in great shape. Yeah. No, I was not in running shape at all. Now, as you know, I've start, uh, I am coaching the Start 5K program that Big River puts on. There was no such thing there. Mm. What it was is me going out and running as hard and fast as I could because that's what I thought I had to do. Right. Yep. And I was like, okay, this really stinks. So again, I call up my sister, who was the marathoner, and I said, what do I need to do? She goes, okay, look, just go out easy and every week put on a little bit extra mile, uh, extra quarter mile, just a little bit more, a little bit more. So by the time the race was, I had run, gotten up to two and three quarter miles. I had never run a free, I had never run a 5K before the race. So here the race day comes, I go out and run. Now I've, now the shoes I purchased were from Payless. They were New Balance 800s or something like that. These things were like, I believe that my shoe, two of my pairs of shoes today would probably wear the same as much as right. one pair of these things. Yeah, I didn't realize Payless sold them. <laughs> they do shoes. not okay. sell a quality <laughs> pair of running shoes. Let me tell you this right off the bat. So, but I knew, again, I knew nothing right. about running. Totally get it. So, yeah. I go and I run this race and I run a 27.30. Not bad. Yeah. Not bad for a first time run. Yeah. Now, what I didn't realize was that they had age group awards. I'm like, well, wait a minute. I 
thought it was just like first place, first, second place, third place. And I was never going to do that. And they're like, no, here are our age group words. I was like, really? I took fourth. Hmm. I was like, so if I got faster, yeah. I could actually start placing higher. I was like, okay. So I called up my sister again. I said, all right, what do I need to do to become faster? And she goes, all right, keep doing what you're doing, but one day a week, go to a track, sprint the straights, and jog the curbs. Hmm. So I went and I did that because, again, I had no one to ask, no one to actually talk to, no coaches that were out that, yeah. that I know of. And so that's what I did. My second 5K comes along. I run a 24.30 just by doing this. Yeah. Now, I then call up my sister. I said, hey, this is what I did. And she says, that's fantastic. She says, good luck running any faster than that because it is not going to. Now, I revert back to my 14-year-old self and I scoff and go, she has no idea. I am the most talented person around. I have no problem. I'm going to be running 20 minutes here in the next race. Yeah. Yeah, Robert, it took three years to get down to 2111. <laughs> so those three minutes took three years to get down to. So, uh, yeah, she was right again. <laughs> so how do you eventually hook up with Big River? So after my second race, uh, a buddy of mine who had run the Twin Cities Marathon, and I hadn't even, he was just a martial arts buddy of mine, and that we had reconnected, and he said, oh, yeah, I ran this race. And he says, I said, wow. And he goes, why don't you try to run a half marathon? I was like, well, okay. Well, Go was, this was in November. Go was coming up in April. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to need to get a better pair of shoes. And I, in one of the packets was a coupon from Big River. I went to Big River, the South City store, and I walked in. And one of the co-founders, Ben Rosario, was there. And it was like, I walk in, he goes, welcome to Big River. He says, what can I, what are you looking for? And I said, I'm looking for a pair of running shoes. It's just great. Have a seat. And uh, one of the salespeople fitted me with my first pair of Brooks Defiance tubes. And they were a phenomenal shoe. I was like, are you kidding me? This is what raw running shoe is. And I was amazed. And he said, so what are you training for? I said, well, I was challenged to do a half marathon. He goes, oh, well, we have a training team that starts in January. You should come out and try this. And and he said, it's free. Again, Robert, if it's free, it's for me. So I went out and I started running and it was just the most welcoming, amazing uh, experience that I ever had. So what you know? pace group did you originally start out with? So I, start, with? I started out, I believe it was the nine minute okay. pace group. Uh, eventually, I think the following fall, I was, I was actually pacing the nine minute pace yeah. group. Uh, and I actually still have, I didn't bring it with me, but I have this piece of paper that was on a card that I wrote down all of my paces or all of my times from that half marathon because I wasn't really sure. I, I had no clue what I should be running. And I was yeah. like, well, you know, what, what? And I talked to Ben Rosero and I said, well, what do you think? And he says, you could go sub, sub two. And I was like, all right. So I went out, I ran this, and I ran a 151. That was my first yeah. half marathon ever. But I wrote down on this sheet of paper, like I said, I still have, and it was nine minute, 855, 850, 80, and it went all the way down to 830. Yeah. So I ran my final mile at an 830 pace, and I showed him, he goes, this is the perfect race. I yeah. said, you ran negative splits the entire time. That is the perfect race. Yeah. And that was, again, when we were talking about affirmation, I said, yeah. that was affirming to me that I can do this. Yeah. You know, I can be a, half, a good runner. 
Yeah. And so I think when you ask about affirmation, that was probably the biggest affirmation for me that yeah. I received. So you use a phrase, negative splits, for people who don't know what a negative split is. What is a negative split? So a negative split is when you start out at a specific time, like I said, nine minutes. Mm -hmm. And then every mile afterwards, you're running a little bit faster. Mm -hmm. So like I said, it was nine minutes, then 8.55, 8.50, 8.45, 8.40. You are dropping your time. You're running faster for every mile yeah. after that. You also have positive splits, and that's if you run eight minute and then you go 805 810 and you run right. slower and there are there's a different mentality in both one people are saying they're banking time and other people say they're running they yeah. want to run faster they want to finish faster and then of course there's even splits and you're running a you know six minute pace for an entire race and yeah. that's not me that's right. other people maybe you i don't know no. but <laughs> um so in terms of speaking about racing what's your favorite race or running memory what's your favorite running okay. experience so there's with races there are there were there's two things i was thinking of when I, you know i've listened to your podcast before and i've heard this question and i was like okay so a bad experience let's start with a bad experience right. is it wasn't that so i ran like a 206 so it was one of my worst running races but which race so was this was the las vegas uh rock and roll las vegas and okay. it was at night Okay. And it was run the strip at night. Okay. They, they advertised it as. Now, did you stop it, for beers along the way? No, the, the problem was okay. this. And it wasn't that, it was just that it, it got really cold. Oh. So okay. it started, 4.30 is when they sent the marathoners out and it was warm. The sun was out, it was warm. And the temperature just dropped mm -hmm. when it was like an hour later, hour, hour, hour and a half before the half marathon started. So it got colder. Uh, that was one thing. The other thing, though, it was on the course that now you know running or walking. If you walk or run on the Grants Trail mm -hmm. and you have how wide it is with the split yep. down the middle, yep. imagine cutting that in half. And as you're running, that's where the marathoners were given. That's how much the marathoners were given to come into the mar half marathon course. And so it was this really small area. Yeah. And here comes this marathoner and this bike lead biker was coming along and he said marathoner coming through and the language that i heard coming from the half marathoners that were just it was just horrible it mm. was it was like the worst experience wow. and i was just like i've never felt that bad yeah. because here i'm giving this guy encouragement because he's running a yeah. heck of a fast pace coming through and he's only given this small amount of spot to get through and these half marathoners are just cutting into him yeah. and it was just like it was, it was just bad and yeah, so I that is bad. It, it just wasn't a good experience but the other part was is that I was, I was running and I was at two miles left in the race and we were coming up to the Bellagio and the Bellagio has these, the fountains you know the wonderful fountains this group of 10 people stop right in front of me. I run into them because I, they had a great pace going. I run into them. They get upset at me. I'm like, well, what are you doing? They're like, oh, we're getting a picture taken. Oh, you're taking a picture right. of the Blasher yeah. that are here every single night. Yeah, good point. And, and you can walk yeah. So anyway, so that was bad. Yeah. The best race experience was actually my very, it was my one and only marathon. And I actually had a horrible run because I ran a 427. I was thinking that I was doing really, really well and for the half of it, but then I just fall apart. Uh. But the reason I say it was the best experience is because during that first half, we come around the corner and we're running down and at the end, 
is this giant crowd of people. And all of them are wearing white tops and black slacks, black pants. And it's what, a community. What was, race was this? This is this was the Pittsburgh Marathon. Okay. And it was it's in it's May fourth or it was May fourth when I did it, but it's the first weekend of May. And it was really hilly. I mean, it was you ran five bridges in the first and eleven miles. Mm. But you're coming down this hill, and all of a sudden, as you're approaching, they start swaying side to side. Now you're seeing. White tops, black slacks, swaying side to side in unison. Okay, and I'm talking about 100, 200 people. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, music hits, and it's like a flash mob. They start dancing, and it was just like and cheering. Wow. You're coming around, and it was just like this wave of excitement, and it was just a blast. And and they had different communities. They had community awards that were going through. So all these communities had different things, and it was just a great race experience. Now, my race didn't go well because of things that happened the week before. You know, my stuff fell apart, and you can never prepare. You can have the best training apart, and then the race day, everything falls apart, and it happens. And I realized that on that day it happened. But the community, the support, the the community—it was just absolutely amazing, that's and neat. so that's why that was my yeah. favorite race experience. So, do you have plans to do another marathon? Are you? I don't know. With okay. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So, yeah, right. the, um, it, it could be. Yeah. So right. I'm just uh, I'm not telling anyone yet. As a runner, I guess you can never say never. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now this. Again, this uh, marathon happened in 2014, so we are talking nine years ago. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there are memories fade yeah. as time goes on, so, you know, there's always that possibility. Yeah. But to that point, um, even though we get older, obviously, it's the, and the body just naturally begins to decline. You can notice it in stuff like hearing, eyesight. Um, <laughs> do you feel like you've become a stronger, better runner as you've gotten older? And what's the tension between the body naturally declining versus you be, being like a smarter runner and learning how to run better? Um, I don't think I'll ever be a smarter runner. <laughs> I think that I just, uh, I, think, I think that I still believe that I can run fast. And the thing is, though, Robert, is that then I come up with, so I just recently finished a 10K. Uh-huh. And my times, I was hoping to do like a 7.30 pace. Uh-huh. Now, they had changed the course, that was the go uh, course, and they changed it where we had to run out, we had to run down to Lenore K. Sullivan and come out through Arch Grounds. Mm-hmm. And so we weren't immediately going out and coming back down through the Arch Grounds. We had to, it was, uh, it was a true out and back. Gotcha. And it was, again, go St. Louis, you're, it's Missouri, St. Louis is a river town, so you're gonna have the hills. And so I yeah. went, so I looked at my, uh, stats and I ran a 742 for the first mile, 736 for the second, 742 for the third, 736 for the fourth, yeah. then 758. Yeah. So you know where the real hill was, right. was at 758 because mile six actually ran a 657. Wow. So I blew that all out of the water. So when you ask, do I, is my body breaking down? Am I running slower? With that 657 shows me that I could actually run faster than I run when I was younger. Yeah. So I'm just holding on and seeing what my coach has in store for yeah. me the next few months and yeah. what happens. Yeah. Uh, in the next few months, I will be uh, I'll be running quite a 
three more 10Ks. Yeah. Uh, and is that kind of your race of choice? It, Do you like right now, it's my race of choice because okay. one, it's quick. Yeah. Uh, I finish before a lot of my friends, and then that way I can cheer them on at yeah. the end. You know, yep. so again, giving them affirmation. Yeah. Um, but yes, I I like the 10K. Uh, I like 5Ks too, so the one race that I'm going to be doing at the end of July, though, is a cross-country race. And I ran it last year, and I did very well. I got second in my age group, which qualified me for the State Games of America. So this was the Show Me State Games. Okay. And it was run on the high school state cross-country course. And so I was able to run that, and then when, so, I'll get, I'll talk later. So. Uh, I actually qualified for the State Games of America in 2024 in San Diego by running, uh, if you qualify in the top three of your age group, you qualify for the State Games of America. Now, of course, the following week I turned 55, so I aged out of the 54 group, so I'm not sure if they would accept that age group to this age group, so I'm gonna run it one more time yeah. and try to get a top three position again. Yeah. And if I do, then I can uh, run in San Diego in 2024, yeah. which is kind of a goal right now. Cool, fun. Um, so in terms of injuries, have you had any serious injuries during your running career and how'd you deal with them? So in, I think in 2019, I, uh, I believe it was then, um, I was running and I was doing, I was trying to, of course, as all of my friends know, I try to win stuff. Mm -hmm. I, I, and a lot of my friends said, you are the luckiest person around. So I was trying to wear, run, run and win a pair of Hoka sh running shoes. Ah, okay. But you had to put on, you had to do so many miles and then submit it. Well, so I was running all these miles. I was running about six to eight miles a day. And all of a sudden, one night, my knee just locked up. And I, I was started limping. And it was right about this, this time of the year. And uh, so I got out and I saw a PT and at first it was patellar tendon strain and I saw the PT and he said no it was a pinched nerve so he worked me out and like within a month I was back to running without a problem and I have not had any issues since then wow it's just that I now need to stretch more yeah and that's yeah. an important thing. yeah yeah that's um that's very fortunate yeah because I yeah. know as runners most all of us if you run long enough eventually you're going to run into some sort of running injury yeah and there are injuries that you kind of run through and then there are injuries where you need to actually take some time off yeah. and rest and so yeah. uh, determining which is which is sometimes a challenge okay so let's talk now about passion how has your love or passion for running changed over the course of time for example do you have any desire to do an ultra or an Ironman or trail running or maybe work as a coach or a trainer? And how has your passion for running, how has that caused you to accept the position with Big River that you have? Okay, so this is really where my where I taught martial arts for 20 years, Yeah. because there was a passion to yeah. do that. There was a time where, and at the very end, I'd pull up to the school and I was hoping that no one would show up. And I realized, oh my God, this is horrible. Yeah. My passion was run, has, yeah. had run out. And so when I got into running, and all of a sudden now, 10 years into running, so like I started in 2010, but I started with big, running with Big River in 2011, so now we're 12 years into it. And just a few years ago, I started coaching high school cross country. And I realized this is a phenomenal experience. Yeah. 
giving my passion to people brand new and which yeah. I'm doing now more. In fact, I'm doing like start 5K program with yeah. Big River. I do their start 10K program. I'm in charge of the Pacers for the Big River training yeah. team. And I coach, cross, I'm an assistant coach cross country at Webster Groves High School. And these kids have just increased my passion. Something I like to say is they're either going to kill me as, because of how fast they are. They're either going to kill me or make me faster. Right. And they've actually made me faster because in the fall, I've run my faster races. Yeah. And I'm, because I'm running every day with these kids. And they are just, one, they're a fun group of people. They are intelligent. They're going out and doing some amazing things after high school. And if you ever think that our country is not going to be in good hands the, if you go spend a, a year with some high school cross-country runners and you'll find that our country is in excellent hands in oh, that's the future good that's because a, these a are good some awesome message. kids yeah. yeah yeah um so it's a good point let's talk about balance um what's a normal week look like for you and how do you fit training and all these other different commitments and things that you um kind of signed up for uh, how do you balance this, being a, a dad, a husband, a worker, and now involved in running as much as you are? Okay, so I, I work uh, from 7 a.m. till 3.30. Mm -hmm. So I get up at 5, I, have, I get ready, get changed, go to get to work by 6.30 so I can, I'll eat breakfast there so I'm not disturbing my wife and daughter. Uh, I start work at 7, I work till 3.30. From at 3.30, I drive, pick up my daughter from school, get her home. We get home by 3.45, or no, I get her at 3.45, so we get home by 3.50, 4 o'clock. I immediately go out for a run, whether it's three mile, four mile. I get a quick run in. Then I get home, I immediately do dishes, so my wife doesn't have to do dishes. I either pull them out of the dishwasher, get all the dishes into the dishwasher, you know, whatever needs to be done, I get that done. Then, then I'll take my shower, you know, and then I'll get ready for, then my wife will get home by five, we'll have dinner, and then my wife will sit down. She'll, she'll do all my work with my daughter with her homework. I stay off out of that. <laughs> that is something that I am told, go away, you will, you will just disrupt this process. So I, I stay away from the homework situation. Um, and then basically that's kind of like, then we just wind up. Uh, and it starts over the next day. Yeah. Um, with then with the big river, it's Saturday mornings and Sunday mornings. So I get up, we run at seven or 7.30 in the morning on Sundays. Yeah. I get home by nine. They're just basically getting up by that time. So yeah. they're sleeping in, they're having their little mom and daughter, daughter morning day. Yeah. Then I walk in and I take my shower and then it's whatever needs to be done, get it done. Uh, the only other problems is that, well now, we have the Battle Hawks in town, so mm -hmm. I, you know that are coming. So five weekends, um, you know, either it's a Saturday or a Sunday, I go to a Battle Hawks game, and it really kind of messes up what I need to do for those Saturday and Sunday to get stuff done. That needs, to, you know, you have to TCB taking care of business type of yeah. stuff that you know you need to do at the house. So. Yeah. Most importantly, can you do the Battle Hawks cry? Kaka! <laughs> yes, I can. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fun okay, one. Yeah. Now, so you know, I'd say this with my my running and everything with my work in the fall. Then, when I become the cross country coach, 
that's at 345. So what I have to do is I, I have spoken with my work and they allow me to work from 6.30 to 3, hmm. at which point I'm able to go home, change, get back in my car, pick my daughter up at 3.30, get her home and immediately get to the school by 3.45. Yeah. And that's when the practice starts. Yeah. So at that point, then I'm running even more mileage with these boys who, Robert, now when I say uh, they're doing a recovery run, they're doing seven-minute miles as recovery oh run. Oh, my gosh. So I am. Wow. Like, and so when I say they're either going to kill me or make me faster. Right. Yeah. So yeah. the But I try to run with maybe the freshmen, so they're running eight-minute recovery miles. Right. So it's still right. <laughs> really right. fast. Yeah. So, that's, so do you find you have to do this to maintain street cred with the boys? Um, well, that's the funny thing. So my first year of coaching, um, I was 54 years old. Mm-hmm. So I'm out running. And I'm running with one of the coaches, and we're coming up on one of the guys. And he's, I, I'm thinking he's maybe a sophomore, junior. And I yell out to him, if I, I said, I am three times your age. If I don't, if you don't run faster than me and I catch you, that's really sad. And all, he just looks around and he took off. So he wouldn't get past my um, And it was funny is that this past year now, one of the boys who is a really good runner, and he's, He's, he's a little bit of a goofball, but he's yeah. a good runner. Um, he says to me, he says, how, he says, I know you started running in 2010. How did you get so fast? How did you get so good? And that was the funny thing. I was like, well, wow, how did I get good? I was like, and it brings me back to. That's a great question. It brings me back to that natural athletic ability. Yeah. Where here I was trying to play football as a freshman at four foot 11 and 89 pounds, and that wasn't going to happen. So I had to find which sport was in my wheelhouse. Yeah. And at age 42, that's when I found running. Yeah. And this apparently is where the wheelhouse is. Yeah. That I'm naturally talented, but I, I always wonder, well, what would have happened if I had listened to my brother-in-law and sister and run cross-country? True. But then I look at it and go, would I still enjoy running now? Would I have gotten really good at cross country and progressed into college and continued running out of college, not joining martial arts, not meeting a, an ex-girlfriend whose son I taught martial arts, who introduced me to two friends, who these two friends introduced me to my current wife. Yeah. So if I had been running back then, would I be in this same spot? And I don't think I would be. No. So would I be as happy as I am today or not? So I don't know. So I don't go past age 42 and under going, should I have done that? Because it could have changed my entire life course and I would have never met my wife and daughter. So I think that's wise not to spend a lot of times regurgitating the past or living in the past because, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's nothing we can do to change the past, right? But what sort of advice would you have for people, regardless of their age, who are contemplating or thinking about getting into running. I would tell them, start out with finding the program like Big River Start 5K program, or even speed work, that's summer speed work that's coming up. Get into something that, and, and don't go out thinking that you're going to be a world beater. Go out and just enjoy the run for what it is. Because what's gonna happen is you are going to have some absolute horrible runs. Yeah. I've had them. I've gone out where um, I've gone out and half a mile in. I turned around going, I can't do this. My yeah. legs are shot. Whatever's going on in my 
business, in my uh, work world, is coming into my uh, running world and it's not making it a fun experience. You're going to have those days. Don't give up. Go out the next day because the next day could be the most fabulous run you've ever had. Just so my advice would be find a program that will help you just start running. Or you can do like me and go out and run as hard as you can for a mile and and say, okay, well, this stinks and I'm gonna still continue doing it. Okay, that's fine too because that's what I did. Yeah. I, my advice would basically be try to, because you are going to find friends. There are so many people, the running community, whether you're at Big River or any of the other running stores, you go out to Forest Park, everybody is high-fiving, everybody's giving encouragement, everybody's saying hello. Everybody knows that you are struggling just as bad as they are, whether you're on mile one or mile 20. Yeah. And it's just a great, St. Louis is a great running community. Yeah, and you will, and if, and if you're yeah. out there going, well, I'm, I, have, I don't have a lot of friends, join a running group because you are going to have friends coming out of the woodwork. Yeah, well, that's kind of my next question is, how important is it for somebody to consider joining a running community like Big River or maybe a, a, a Running Niche or any of the other popular running communities here in St. Louis? I, I think it's very important. I, and, you know, if, if, like with me though, I am huge with Big River. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. I am... I'm like the biggest honk around when it comes to Big River. Yeah. But I see, I well, know other people, people that... People can't see you right now, but you're dressed in a Big River hat and a Big River start pipe <laughs> Right, exactly. So, so yes. yeah, it's like I said, I'm a honk. So, you know, it's... Go out and experience all of them because you may, there, you may not find the community in one or the other. You might, it might take you a little bit here or there to find the right community. I have friends that run with Fleet Feet. I have friends that run with Speedwalk uh, Racing and Speedwalk Training. Mark Speedwalk is my running coach. Yeah. I have friends, lots of friends with Big River. I have some friends with Running Niche. Yeah. All of them, but because I have put myself out there and have been a good, I consider myself a good person, yeah. and a good cheerleader for all these people. I think you're a great ambassador for running and for Big River running community. Well, thank you. I yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. Because it's, uh, we're, like I said, we're out, out, out there struggling, whether it's mile one or mile 20. So <laughs> it's hard out there. Um, so let's pivot a little bit. Challenges. What do you think has been your biggest challenge in life? It can either be running or non-running related. And how has running helped you to deal with that type of challenge or has it? Okay, so um, I worked for my dad's company, Kurt Ironworks, for 25 years. Now, he started the company when he was 18 years old. We made him retire when he was 90. As of 2022, it would have been 75 years. Wow. But in the fall of 2021, my brother was turning 65 and so was the foreman. And there was only three of us, two of us in the shop and my brother. And my brother decided that he was pulling the pin on his retirement and the foreman was turning 65 and he decided he was doing that also, which meant it left me. Well, there were some people who said, well, why wouldn't you take over the company? I was like, well, I can't run it by myself. I can't do the office, I can't do this, I can't, there's nothing I can do. So we closed down the shop. Yeah. Now what that did was we had we were selling off all of our equipment, 
and one of our uh, one of the people, not competitor, okay, um, a supplier. Okay, we bought stuff from them. Came in to buy a couple of our welding units, and the owner of the company comes to me and says, "So, what are you doing after this?" I said, "I don't know." Yeah. She says, "Why don't you come work for us?" And so, at when 2021 is ending. I had two weeks at the at the end where I did not work. I just kind of took the two weeks off. And on January 3rd of 2022, I started work for a new company. Yeah. And a new company is called Inventory Sales. Company. Yeah. Now recently they've just been bought out by another company, uh, EFC International, but it's still the same company that I've, I've been working for for the past year and a half. Yeah. So it changed because I was working from six o'clock till two o'clock. And then I would go out and I would run for an hour and a half before picking my daughter up at 3.30. Wow. And so it changed because now all of a sudden I'm getting off at 3.30, having to pick up my daughter. And so for that first six months, it was hit or miss whether I was going to run. Yeah. Because I didn't know what was happening with my, my career, my, my, work, my work life, and then my running life. It was just really, I was a mess yeah. for the first six months. When I think the change came was when they allowed me to change my hours back to 6.30 for coaching cross country. And I was able to get back and run more. And all of a sudden my focus, everything came back into play. And by the end of last year, uh, I was more focused. And now coming into the new year of 2023, I knew what I could do. I knew I could work at th these hours and get out and run and get my daughter, you know, and all these pu the puzzle pieces kind of came together, but it took a year yeah. for it to really, but I was, I was at wit's end yeah. because I love running, but I just wasn't able to do it. I was yeah. just being pushed and pulled different ways and I just, and running fell apart at that point. And yeah. it was not until the cross country season that came along that made me refocus. I think that's what helped me back into now. Good. So one of my favorite topics, relationships. You've okay. met a lot of really great people and friends through running. Do you care to tell me about some of those friendships or relationships? Maybe sure. some of your favorite memories regarding the friendships or the support that you've gotten from the running community? Friendships. Friendships. Oh, wow. So I have a great group of friends. Um, in fact, one of my favorite runs ever was I was, uh, I got together, I was, it was in 2014, I was training for my marathon and I had a, uh, a, pro, a plan that said I had to run a two mile warm up with two by two mile repeats. And it was supposed to be the two by two mile repeats were supposed to be at 7.30 pace. And I just put it out on Facebook, hey, I'm gonna be at Forest Park Visitor Center at this point, at this time, if you'd care to join me, uh, this is what I've got going. Well, a group of people said yes. Well, we were looking out at the sky as we got to Forest Park and looking up into Clayton and you see these dark clouds coming in and you know you're gonna get rained on. You're just hoping that you can get this workout in before that rain hits. I know, yeah. So I got, got these, gathered the people together and off we go. And we're running and we're hopping over puddles because we don't want to get our shoes wet, right? Yes. So we're hopping over these puddles and we're running and all of a sudden, not a mile into it, the sky's just open. And I'm not talking about a little mist sprinkled. I'm talking about a downpour. Now there's no lightning, so we're safe, but it is just pouring on us. Well, we get our two mile warm up now. 
we get to just past the mounted police station. And it was a hmm. two mile warm up, minute rest, two, then the two by two mile repeats at, with a minute rest in between. Yeah. So we're standing there and we're just getting soaked. Some of the guys are taking off their shirts, wringing them out, putting them back on, but it doesn't really matter. Our shoes are getting soaked. Remember, we were leaping over right. puddles because we didn't want our shoes to get out. Yeah. We're just getting just pummeled. And we're just absolutely laughing and hysterics because we're standing there, just not doing anything. And one of the guys says, hey, John, what was our warm up?" And I was like, oh, it was just like a seven, it was supposed to be like an eight minute warm up." He goes, yeah, I have a 7.15. I said, yeah, sorry about that. So we had run two miles at a 7.15 pace for our warm-up. Right. And I was like, and now we have the right. two-mile repeats. We're supposed yeah. to be at 7.30. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, that's just we're throwing that out the window, and we're just going to run as hard as we can, so we need to get around. Right. And it was a lot of fun. Yeah. This, this was a great group of people. Yeah. Yeah. Now, during the course of that, 2014, um, I met a really, really good friend of mine now. Her name's Megan. And Megan was training for her marathon and I was training for mine and all of a sudden we realized that our coach had basically given us the exact same plan mm -hmm. with the exact same workouts, the exact same days, and basically had changed the names at the top and the race dates at the top. So we just basically were getting together on the track, we were getting together on the runs and we just became extremely good friends yeah. at that point. And it was just, we, and to this day, we are still really good friends. Yeah, uh, she has done numerous marathons. I've done one. So, it, yeah. And but her plan was to run to get Boston qualifier, and she just hasn't done it yet. But she will. I'm I'm positive she will get yeah. there. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I'm impressed with <clears throat> is that uh, there is a, a large percentage of the people that we train with and run with who do qualify for Boston. We have a couple friends, basically it's uh, Michelle and Chris are, are gonna be up there on Monday yep, right. for Boston. Yep. And it's, so I'm impressed not only with the, uh, just the, the level of elite athletes that we basically deal with, but also what I discovered is it's uh, turned out, it's difficult if you have friends who don't wanna run to try to talk them into running. It's turned out to be much easier to join a running group like Big River and then after running for several years with them you begin to develop close friendships and relationships because most of the runners that I've met are the most positive optimistic cheerleading encouraging group of people and really you get to a certain stage in life where it's difficult to develop good healthy relationships and so a lot of the healthiest relationships that I've developed during this season of life have really been part of my my running community yeah I agree because you know, I'd, I'd look at it, and after some of our races, it's not how did you do. It's how did you do? Well, I did great. Well, I you know I had one time I had it was the Go All American 5K starting in Kirkwood and in Webster, and I had I was dealing with some a little bit of a health issue, and I was I did not have one of my best races, and I talked to this one guy, and I said, and I asked him, how did you do, and he says, oh, I did all right. He says, how did you do? I said, well, I had this, I, it was a battery. He goes, well, you know, and he tried to explain to me, yeah, because the mile two was a little bit hilly, you know, and I was like, and he didn't understand what I was going through. And he just said, yeah, I did okay. Uh, Robert, he had won the race, and he had set the course record. <laughs> and I think he was running it like, maybe it was a, maybe a 15 or 16 minute uh, race, you know. And the guy was, and he was part of the elite Big River racing yeah. team. And yeah. it was just like so amazing because he was like, yeah, I did okay. Yeah. No, you didn't do okay. Right. <laughs> you yes. were 
slayed it out there. You were a stud. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. these are, and it's the humbleness yeah. of yeah. these people, of these runners who yeah. are amazing. That is what I'm amazed at. Yeah. Because they just, they are, people are more concerned about you, yeah. whether they're their own accolades. Yeah. And yeah. I'm the same way too, because yeah. I, you know, when I get done with a race and I'm walking up to one of my friends, how did you do? Yeah. You know, you, it's, it's them. They're more important than yeah. me. Yeah. You know, they'll ask me, I'm like, oh yeah, I, you know, I did this or I did that, but you know, it's, again. Yep, it's fantastic. Yeah, it is. Okay, so as we begin to wind things down, sprint for the finish line, okay. no pun intended, of yep. course. Um, what's one thing you'd like to share with people or let them know about you that, say, maybe the average person doesn't know? It could be either a goal, a dream, or a passion of yours. Maybe it's a setback or struggle that you had to overcome in life to get to where you are now. Or maybe something foundational, like what you build and base your life upon, say, faith, family, friends, and fitness. I think my main goal or my main focus is to just create this great friend basis because eventually you know, your friends are a great source of knowledge and awareness. Your friends, some of them are could be in the same work industry as you, some could be just like running friends who are in a different industry and you're sitting there like I was flummoxed earlier went in 20 and late in 2021 I didn't know where I was going to go and but with this friend base with the relationships that I had created I got a new job I had a job waiting for me when it ended and I think that's the same way with friendships is with creating this huge group of friends if you are getting ready to be on the outs of a career change or something this group of friends not only can be your support system but could be a source of hey I know someone who may need someone that or that is you you know so I think that's friendships is a really big thing with me because I'm getting back to grade school high school I some of my high school friends I have they're, they're now they weren't friends in high school they weren't friends in grade school I really don't have where my daughter has all these friends from grade school and middle school right now and she has this great collection of friends and I'm almost jealous yeah. because I really didn't have that yeah. so when I got into college and I joined a fraternity this is where this was where my friendships really began and I realized wow this is what friendship is yeah. and then it, when I got out of college I got into martial arts and that's where my another whole group of friendships came and then I got into running, and this is an even bigger group of friendships. And so a lot of people, there's the six degrees of separation, right? Where I know you, you know, but we could also know other people in our backstory of our lives. Yep. And it's really funny that way is that some people are like, well, I know this guy who knows this guy who knows this guy. And I try to be the pivot point for everyone to know everyone in St. Louis. <laughs> so it's like, well, you know, here, you know, so it's the old high school question. Where did you go to a high school? Yes. Yes. Now, a lot of people say, well, it's, they want the socioeconomic aspect. I don't because I come from a family of five kids. Okay. My oldest brother is 10 years older than me. My younger brother is a year and a half younger than me. And we also have uh, th two sisters in the middle, in the middle of us. Okay, we grad. We all went to school 70s and 80s. That's when our high school was. 
But now, my older brother and older sister, they have three kids each. Then my middle sister has one, and my younger brother has three kids. Now, the oldest of the, of the siblings, they're 30 years old. So when I say, where did you go to high school? Oh, I went, I, I went to Koryezu. How old are you? Well, I'm in the 30s. I said, so you graduated in the 90s. My niece went there. Now, this is what happened at Go. I said, well, my niece was on the track team. And she goes, oh, my God, she knew my yeah, niece. Yeah. This is how I connect with people. Yeah. It's through my family and through these outskirts. Now, I know this person yeah. who knows my niece. I've been out running, and a person comes up to me and says, oh, is, are, you, are you John? I said, yeah. He goes, oh, I was your mom's hairdresser. Yeah. I mean, this is the group of, you know, so to me, when I say, where did you go to high school? It's like, okay, where did you go to high school? What year did you graduate? Because I bet I know somebody who yeah. knew you yeah. or who knew Probably, somebody who knew yeah. you. So yeah. that's where I create that six degrees of separation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, John, yeah, I know. This it's is just starting. perfect timing. <laughs> We're starting to get rain, so I appreciate you very much taking time. Thank you very much for asking me, Robert. Um, To all my listeners out in Podville, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you. To a very special friend of mine, I love you dearly. To all my other listeners, thanks for listening again. This has been an episode of Real Friends. That's a wrap. We couldn't have planned it. I know. That is awesome. It's a great thing we started early. I know. I know. That is perfect. Wow. Robert, thank you very much. Thank you. Now the most important thing I do is make sure I say it.